Hello, everybody out there. Are you listening in? Did you miss me? I know it's been uh, about like a week or so, but um, we are here for the newest installment of the Talk That Talk show with me, Barry Holmes. You know, I've constantly been saying how my schedule has been, you know, changing ever so constantly um, as I've been evolving as a, a better bowler. And as, as you know, I've been bowling a lot more. A lot of people have been asking me to sub for them. So it's kind of taken me out of my you know, regular routine as far as having the show on a Tuesday or sometimes on a Thursday. But, you know, the way everything is shaking out seems like the only day that I have off to, to really, you know, do this show has been Friday now. So I just really want to thank everybody for tuning in. Shout out to my boy Russ Reinman, my boy Scotty Prophet, Zeeshawn Abbas, who always does the music for this show. Um, we got a really great show lined up for us uh, this week. Um, we've had a lot of things happen in sports. I almost couldn't wait to get on the mic to, to have this podcast because, you know, there's just been so much different things that have happened. And I'm just really ready to just, you know, talk about my perception on them and, you know, hopefully inform you guys a little bit if you haven't been watching in as far as the sports as well too um always got to give a special shout out to our sponsors bw liquors um 91s.com and then also to my boy prashant who actually talked to me uh not too long ago about coming back to the bar so maybe i'll come in and work for you man soon enough as long as you got that chicken for me <laughs> but um also big out shout out to danny aramis who's on our facebook live stream he, he shot 300 uh last night and i know how much he's been dealing with as far as you know his personal injuries but that man came out and he shot the lights out and had a perfect game. So definitely wanted to shout you out, Danny Aramis, and I'll be happy to sub for you this Sunday morning. Um, but yeah, that's a, you know, now that we, you know, said hello to everybody, you know, let's just jump right into the show. I'm just really I'm really excited, Dad. I mean when when you have some time off to where you haven't been, you know, on the show and you had life come at you pretty quick, um, you know, it's just really good to get back to the things that make you happy, man. And this show is something that really, you know, pushes me to continue to be better. And, you know, I'm just happy to get on the mic, man. Yup. And the first thing that on, on the agenda for our Talk That Talk show today, we got to talk about how the Knicks actually won a game. <laughs> we picked up our third win of the season. If only we could play the Dallas Mavericks every game, right? <laughs> We're... <laughs> We're 2-0 against the Mavericks, but we can't beat the Chicago Bulls. How terrible is that? But what I'll say is this. As much as we've been harping on how you know bad the Knicks have been, I mean, you can't, you can't excuse the fact of how encouraging it was to see that Knicks team go out there last night and pick up a 106-103 win. I don't need to tell you about the storyline as far as how Porzingis is coming back to the Garden. I mean, this man asked for his own excommunication, right? He asked to be let go from the Knicks. He wanted to go to a different team. And you saw the reception of that in the garden. New York sports fans are no dummies, and we don't forget nothing. There's a reason why they say we're the pettiest people of the tri-state, because we forget nothing. And, you know, for a lot of us Knicks fans out there, or for a lot of the Knicks fans that were tuned in last night, you know, I'm sure everybody wanted us to win that game and to beat Porzingis. I mean, could you hear all the things in the in the stands of how everybody was saying, 
Oh, forget Porzingis. I heard the asshole chant as well, too. So, you know, everybody w wanted to see Porzingis lose. And the Knicks did what they were supposed to do, and they delivered a dub. But aside from them out-rebounding the Mavericks 62-48, to you know, what I saw from this team, if you really want to see, is I just, I just saw a, a, a vaulted energy in this team. I mean, when you saw them play against the Kings, they barely looked like they had a heartbeat, a pulse. This team came out ready and hungry to win. And I just think that it's very difficult to continue to back a team like that when they're just showing inconsistent effort. One of the things of how we, you know, tried to market David Fisdale or try to make sense in him being the coach was the fact that we said this guy's an expert motivator. He can develop the best of players. But what is he motivated? The Knicks suck. He hasn't done his job as far as developing the players that we have, and that is why even with this win against the Mavericks, I still think David Fisdale is on the super mega hot seat. I think his butt cheeks are burning right now because he might be gone by the end of the month. Uh, I mean, at first, I was all for David Fisdale. Every time I've gave him an interview in the press conference, he's been a stand-up guy. But at the end of the day, this is a professional league. The NBA is the National Basketball Association. And you cannot come into there when you're trying to create a culture of winning and you have created a culture of losing. I mean, it's not like he's created that culture because we've been losing for a while. But David Fisdale, in my opinion, has not improved that team the way that he was supposed to be brought in here to do. And, you know, when we look at the game, you know, you had Marcus Morris who scored 20 points. You had Julius Randle who found out how to play basketball again and had a double-double. And, you know, Dennis Smith Jr., who I really like, he had his best game as a Nick potentially. He had 13 points, 8 assists, 6 rebounds. So this team is not devoid of talent. I know we constantly say about how they don't have as much talent as a lot of these other NBA teams. And you can't coach guys that aren't there as far as talent-wise. But... To say that the Knicks have absolutely nothing is ridiculous. The Knicks do have some pieces there. And I think that it was on David Fisdale's job to try and make sure and ensure that this team was playing at the hardest of their potential every single night. And I cannot say with the bottom of my heart that David Fisdale had influenced that team to put out their best effort. And that's why even though the Knicks have a 3-9 and nine record and it was supposed to be a rebuild, you cannot be happy with what Fisdale has done for the Knicks. And that's why you got to get him out of there, all right? Now, going back to somebody who used to be a Nick, I got to give a clap up for my boy Melo. Melo made it back into the league, baby, all right? I didn't get rid of my Carmelo jerseys because Carmelo Anthony was one of my favorite Knicks of all time, you know, and... I was very happy to see that he signed that non-guaranteed contract with the Blazers. Um, I just felt like it was time for an NBA franchise to give him another chance, man. I mean, this guy can go out and drop buckets, all right? I know when he was on Houston, everybody said that he was the reason why they weren't winning and stuff. But, I mean, the guy did his job. He was scoring points. He's not out there to be a defensive lockdown defender, all right? If you bring in Carmelo Anthony to the Blazers, I think for him to be successful or for the Blazers to be successful, you need to be realistic as far as the expectations that we have for this guy, right? Portland's coming in at a 4-8 and eight record. 
Mind you, this team went to the Western Conference Finals last year, and you look at that team now, and I can't even tell you. Look, coming off the bench, they got Anthony Simmons, Kent Bazemore, who, who's a cheap, you know, Band-Aid for them, Mario Hazonia, a, a cast-off from the Knicks. How can you say that this Blazers team is a playoff contender, right? So if you think that Carmelo Anthony does not make this team a better team, then you're insane because they have nobody else coming out off the bench. And if you look last year when they actually had people on the bench, they struggled scoring the ball for minutes at a time, right? In that series against the Warriors, they were going 10 minutes at a time without scoring the basketball, right? And we're always saying about how Damian Lillard is such a great player and how... You know, C.J. McCollum is one of the most best complimentary pieces. But what does that show for this season? They are 4-8, and eight, and I think that without them having a bona fide score outside of C.J. and Damian, Carmelo Anthony is coming into the optimal situation for him to be successful, right? There is no bona fide score coming off the bench. And I think that if Melo can stay within that 15-20 to minute range, I think that this could be a great move for the Blazers. But like I said at the top of the segment, I said it has to be realistic expectations. And for me to be realistic, I don't think Carmelo makes the Blazers a playoff team. I know it's still very early in the season, but I think that the red flags have shown for the Portland Trailblazers that they can't stop anybody. I thought my Knicks team was bad on defense, but Portland can't stop a nosebleed, right? And then on top of that, you're going through all these scoring droughts and you got people, debatable no-names, coming off the bench to try and account for the scoring that CJ and Damo aren't doing. So, you know, I really am happy for Carmelo Anthony. He definitely deserved another chance in the NBA. But, you know, I just don't see him making that Blazers team a playoff team. You know, they have too many red flags from what I've seen in the first 12 games of the season, coming from a team that went to the Western Conference Finals last year. I mean, think about it. You got the the, the Golden State Warriors and the, you know, the uh, Trailblazers who have a combined, what, six wins between the both of them? And they both were in the Western Conference Finals last year? That should tell you how, how interesting and how awesome this NBA season is going to be. Everything you thought that was the norm for last year is completely flipped. Melo's back in the league. That should tell you enough in itself, right? So it's going to be an exciting NBA season. I, I really want to see what's going to happen. Um, I remember I said on earlier segments that I thought that the Boston Celtics were going to be one of the better teams, and they're showing me that, you know, right now they're the top team in the East. You know, they're going to be a really tough team to beat. They got the youth. They have guys that really want to defend. And, you know, moving forward, you know, I know the Bucks are a good team to come out of the East, too. And, you know, you got the Sixers on their coattails. But, you know, I'm sticking with my pick. I still think Boston, you know, in these first couple games here has shown that they're the real deal. They're the real deal Holyfield. And now we got to go into this next segment. You, you knew that I couldn't, you know, talk about this or let this not go untalked about. Because I promise you, when I was on Xbox playing Call of Duty, Modern Warfare, um, literally everybody was asking me, what do you think about the Miles Garrett thing? What do you think about that fight? Me and my father were in the bar at Woodbridge Bowling Center as this happened. We were eating popcorn and drinking Blue Moon, and 
All of a sudden, my dad's like, look up, look up. And we see these two nincompoops fighting literally on the field, man. And I tell you what, for my first impression as far as what I thought about that fight, you know, I think that we give so much protection and we protect these quarterbacks so much. And all the stuff that I was reading about is just how terrible the guy Miles Garrett is. And, oh, he's so terrible. How could he have done that? Nobody is, let's put it this way. We are all neglecting the fact that Mason Rudolph was the premier instigator in that fight. Is Miles Garrett right for taking him to the ground a little aggressively? Yes, it's football. This isn't, you know, buddy ball. This is an aggressive, hard-nosed, hard-knock sport, all right? So, Miles Garrett, yes, he was wrong in trying to take him for an aggressive sack, yes. But what did Mason Rudolph do? Maybe it's that Oklahoma State in him. I don't know. But this guy tried to rip off Miles Garrett's helmet. We are all forgetting the fact that he tried to rip off this guy's helmet. And he doesn't get one suspension, not even a game. That's ridiculous, bro. And I think that, you know, the, the narrative for Miles Garrett, I, I just feel, I, 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 I feel for him, man, because, you know, it just really speaks to how one terrible critical mistake can change your life for the rest of your life, man. I mean, this Miles Garrett, even if he does and is able to come back to the NFL, He's going to have that stigma underneath him for however long until he hits the casket, man. It is going to be so hard for Miles Garrett to, to get over that stigma because people are talking about now that you're going to get legal. Uh, they're going to have legal action against him. They're saying it was assault with a deadly weapon on the field. And I know that, you know, some people have brought up in the rule book that they actually have something as far as you know, using your helmet as a deadly weapon and it should be a 15-yard penalty and a, a immediate disqualification. But I think in the interpretation of that rule is that that would be done in a football move or say he was trying to make a tackle and he, like, used his helmet to club. Ridiculous situation. I, I understand that. But, you know, I don't think that it wasn't unwarranted for Miles Garrett to get the full season suspension because he deserved it. I mean... As much as I want to back him up and say, hey, you know, I understand it's difficult, man, that you got Mason Rudolph, who's being a, a complete baby, right, and is trying to attack this guy. And in a way, I think he was trying to antagonize him. He knew he didn't have a helmet on, and he still tried to charge at him. I know I've heard about seeing red and all this other stuff, but Mason Rudolph, even in answering his questions in the, in the postgame interview, he's not a dumb guy, man. He's not a dumb guy, and he's not a fighter. So, you know, I have to think that he really was trying to egg on Miles Garrett here. But that's why it's so important for you to hold true to your own values and, and, and to make sure that you don't let anybody else stop you from your own destiny, right? I mean, look at Miles Garrett. That team had won the game, right? The Browns had won the game, and he let Mason Rudolph get in his head. Me and my dad, we always talk about him bowling about how we want to try and get in people's head and, and make them miss and stuff like that. And, yo, shout-out to my boy Jesse DeVento. You, you, know, you had the guy, Pouncey, who was kicking Garrett in the back of his head, right? And he only gets, what, three, four-game suspension? I know he was trying to protect his quarterback, but, 
you know, the thing is, the NFL wanted to make sure that they had some sort of answers for people right away. I mean, we've had this, the Antonio Brown situation. We've seen how long that got drawn out. I mean, back when Ben Roethlisberger had his sexual allegation charges, that got drawn out. This was just something that we had never seen before, and the NFL thought that they had to have immediate action to give the people answers. Because think about it this way. What if that football helmet would have cracked Mason Rudolph, split his head open? I mean, I, I, it's not out of the realm of possibility, right? And if that would have happened, I promise you, Miles Garrett would have been in jail. But luckily for him, he hit him with the soft part of the helmet. And when I, when I think about it, a lot of people are asking me, do I think he should be banned for life, right? And I think life is a little bit extreme. I do think it's extreme because, you know, you, we're human beings at the end of the day. And you have to allow human beings to be human beings. And part of the way we learn is through mistakes. I mean, this guy hadn't had a, a, um, you know, a penalty in that fashion against, I think he only had one in his entire career, you know. But it really speaks to just how much mental toughness you really need to do and you need to have to be able to, to stand off and to way to push away people like Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph is a backup at best. If Ben Roethlisberger's out there, there's no way that guy's touching the field. And and I, I don't really like Mason Rudolph, honestly. And I think this was even more reason for me to not like him, right? Because here you are with your helmet off, and you should have just ran away, dude. I know it's not the best option, but, dude, you got Miles Garrett going up against you. You've already tried to take his helmet off. Why are you trying to go up to him to get into his face? And that's what you got. You deserve to knock on the head because it's just not smart, bro. You have no helmet on, and and it just really speaks to the fact of the NFL as how they really protect these quarterbacks. And it's ridiculous that this guy doesn't even get a one-game suspension, not even one game. And I don't, I don't want to bring up the, the card in here, you know. I don't want to bring up the race card. But what if Cam Newton was the guy that uh, had done the instigating to somebody like Joey Boza. Do you think that Cam Newton would have got, you know, some sort of time? I, 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 I hate to bring it to that point, but it's just so, it, it just really has me lose my faith in the, in the system of the NFL when you see a guy who's nagging, instigating. Think about people in cyberbullying, right? When you have a cyberbully, if that person bullies that person, and the person they bully killed themselves, that person that bully goes to jail. They go to jail. So if I take that same instance and I take that same metaphor, Mason Rudolph was the prime example and the prime reason of why he got knocked on the freaking head, right? So there has to be some sort of accountability for these agitators. And I can't help it but to think that, you know, from, from you know, our perspective as the black community, we're some of the best trash talkers in the world. And when you talk about those agitators, those are the ones that get the suspensions, the Vontez Burfics that get those season-long suspensions. But what about the people like Mason Rudolph who go in the NFL and think that they can do whatever they want without any complications or restrictions? And that right there is crap. It's bull, man. Because if we can sit here and say that, you know, Miles Garrett is this such a horrible person, or he's so bad and how so malicious, how disgusting he is, right? 
You got to say those same references, those same accords to Mason Rudolph because this man agitated my man Miles Garrett. Is Miles Garrett right? No. But we cannot sit. I am not going to continue and have people talk and tell me that this guy is a victim. I can't tell you how many times people have been saying about how Mason Rudolph is the victim here and how terrible that Miles Garrett is. You need to see both sides of the coin here and before you make a judgment. Does Miles Garrett deserve a lifetime ban? I don't think so. Did he deserve the season ban? Yes. My main takeaway from this is the NFL, even when they try to get it right, they still fumble it. How is Mason Rudolph not suspended a single game? How is he not? And that's where I think that the NFL is still the same old NFL. All right? And it just sucks, man, because I really do like Miles Garrett. It was a great entertaining game. Like I said, we were at Woodbridge Bowling Center. Shout out to my boy J.D. Richard, the, the mystery pot guy. I love that dude, man. What's up, mystery pot guy? <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it, it's a shame that it was just such a blemish on that game because – it, it was a really good game. It really was. It went down to the wire. You know, you had two teams that, you know, really just fighting for pride out there. And, you know, to have it get spoiled like that, it, it was terrible, man. But, you know, you want to go from one circus. We got to go from one circus to the next circus. And luckily for us, since we live in the tri-state, we don't got to go far for that circus. I mean, pick a coin. What do we want to talk about, the Jets or the Giants? <laughs> Which circus we want to talk about? I, I, I'll talk about the Jets because it's on our agenda, Dad. So let's talk about them. The Jets. The Jets. But the Jets, are they're in a state of turmoil. I mean, if you didn't already know, I know that they beat the Giants. Big shout out to them. I actually said that the Jets were going to beat the Giants. If you were one of my friends, I definitely did say that. But, you know, in wake of talking about that win, you know, that's, that's not what we're talking about in the news. All that they're saying about is how the Jets have yet another person who is not happy or, you know, not content with the management that the Jets have. And the latest victim now has been Quincy Inunua. He was blasting the organization for fining him for $27,000 because he missed two mandatory medical treatments. Now, I don't know why he missed those treatments. I don't know what those treatments were on. I do know that when you sign a contract on the dotted lines to get millions of dollars, you better do what they tell you to do yeah. to a certain extent. So, you know, I can't I can't back Quincy Anunwa on that as far as missing your mandatory treatments. But what I can speak to the fact is how unprofessional the Jets are. And let's just let me just tell you a story about the New York Jets and to talk to just to set the the um set the base for how they're unprofessional, right? So you got Woody Johnson, who is the owner, whatever you want to call him, or the Jets. You know, he's at training camp. I remember I was at training camp sitting underneath the tree. Not sitting, I was standing underneath the tree, and we were watching the wide receivers work out. And here you have Woody Johnson coming up to us, shaking our hands, saying what's up. But this guy's got a huge mustard stain right on his shirt, like right here. He doesn't even know he's got the mustard stain. And he, just, and he didn't even care, you know? And... I think that that really speaks to, you know, in a metaphor to bring it full circle. This is how the Jets represent themselves, right? In, in, a, in, a, in a world where you want to put your best foot forward to be as professional as you can be. Here you have the Jets and Adam Gase who posts Quincy Anunua's name on the video board in the team room saying, hey, you got these fines, bro. 
And it was so bad that there was other players that were complaining, not just Quincy. And they were encouraging him to go social about this. I mean, think about it. What if you go to your job and you go into the break room and you got your manager who posts, hey, this guy's been late three, four, five times. I'm going to find him about $30 off his next check. How would you feel? How would you feel going into that break room? How would you feel trying to give your all for this organization when all they're trying to do is plaster you on a wall, a spit wall, and knock you down, man? Especially in a season when you're 2-7. and seven. You should be recruiting guys to stay in New York. I mean, look at Jamal Adams. This guy was giving his heart and soul for the New York Jets, the entire mind, body, soul he's given to them. And here they went behind his back to shop him around. Like I said, I understand that this is a business. I understand that the NFL is a business. But even in a business, you have to maintain a certain level of professionalism. And if you put a C on that guy's chest in Jamal Adams, you should have at least given him the dignity to say, hey, we want to shop you around because our organization is going in a different direction. But did the Jets do that? No, because they're unprofessional. And it goes all the way down to the media. When we go in there to eat, they give us corn dogs. Corn dogs. dogs. When we go to the Giants, we get three, four-course meals. And you can't even feed us nothing better than some corn dogs. dogs. Shout out to my mentor because he was the first one to make that joke, Vincent Davis. So shout out to you, man. You go to the Jets, you'll get corn dogs. All right? (laughs) So... So that that's what I mean, that just speaks to the turbulence that is in the Jets organization. You know, then you have Kalichi Ole, who had a shoulder injury that he had to get disputed. They they saying that he's not hurt or certain. He had to get a couple um, opinions from different doctors. It's just, you know, in an organization that should be protecting its players. How can you protect your players if you're putting your own players on blast? I mean, and then let's take it to the next level. How do you think other free agents are going to feel trying to go in saying, hey, I want to go to the Jets. They're going to put my name on the board. They're going to blast me for every little thing that I do. Now, I know that missing mandatory treatments is still significant. It's still substantial. But there's a certain way that you do it. You send the guy a letter. You talk to him out. Even when we're at our job, when I got somebody that's not doing their job at Playworks, I don't just say, hey. You're not doing your job out there. What are you doing? I still, I got to come talk to him, bring him to the side. There's a certain way of professionalism that you have to give that person accountability. And when you talk about the Jets and Adam Gase, and this is coming from a guy who did the same thing in Miami, and you would think that he would learn from the fact that, hey, Miami did not want me. Everywhere in Miami, Miami fans are applauding, they're cheering, they're in jubilation that I'm gone. It's these little things like posting a guy in the board. It's the little things like encouraging teams to shop you behind my back. These is why the Jets are unprofessional. This is why no one likes Adam Gase. And this is why they're 2-7. and seven. They need to start. It's almost like the, the, the Jets and the Knicks are similarly parallel to each other because, you know, we've been, you know, you have such strong and aggressive fan bases in the Jets and the, the the Jets and the Knicks but yet all we've experienced over these past decades is just losing 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 right so whenever you want to look as far as why is that happening or why is a organization not succeeding you can look no further than the top baby it goes from the top down so 
for the Jets' turmoil, if they want to really become a better team, they want to become a better team and win games, they need to become a better organization. All right? So that's what I'm going to tell y'all to, you know, to take away from you. The Jets need to be a better organization. The Knicks need to be a better organization. All right? And hopefully, you know, we can get some guys in there that know what they're doing. And then finally, you know, I couldn't go without talking about this either. Wow. For, for, for not having an episode, you know, in a couple, you know, a couple days, you guys going to have a lot of content. I better be hearing a lot of good reviews. Put my heart and soul into this, guys. But now nah, we had Carlos Beltran, who is now our next New York Mets manager. Right. And, you know, I one of my biggest memories of uh, Carlos Beltran and for a lot of Mets fans out there is seeing him take that third pitch strike against the Cardinals, right? Was that a wild card game, Dad? Was, or a division wild card game? I think it was. And, you know, you're coming from a game where, you know, what was it Timo Perez makes the crazy – no, Andy Chavez. Andy Chavez made the crazy catch over the, uh, the wall to rob the home run, to send it into extra innings. And you have Carlos Beltran, who is known from around the world for taking that third pitch strike. But – he did get some retribution in winning the World Series with the Astros back in 2017. But even before he starts his job with the Mets, he's got to answer a whole bunch of questions about the, the sign stealing that they did. Now, there was this one guy, he used to be, I think his name's Fierce. He used to be a pitcher for the Astros. And I really have no respect for this dude because even with him not being on the organization no more, he went to the Athletic. And he was dry snitching, bro. I mean, if he, it, we don't even know if it's confirmed if there was a camera. For those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, the Houston Astros back in 2017, they won the World Series, but they have now been accused of stealing signs by via a camera that was positioned in center field, and they would relay what they saw based off a tapping of the trash can to the batters. And it seems very intricate and pretty crazy to think about. And Carlos Beltran is one of the biggest names that's um, mentioned in there. And they've actually brought up an at-bat in question in that World Series where they said that he got some signs. So it's a very tricky situation. But I, ha I, I have to think that it's going to be a very hard situation for them to prove. Um, I would like to believe that Carlos Beltran was not a main contributing factor as to them stealing signs from the camera. But, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Um, but, you know, just bringing this to a, a managerial standpoint for the Mets, I think that, you know, a lot of us Mets fans out there, we really wanted um, the the manager, Joe Girardi, you know, who eventually was the he was the, the manager of the Yankees. And where is he at now? Yeah, he's with the Philadelphia Phillies, so... I know a lot of people were upset about that because it's like, hey, you miss your dream guy and you send him to the division rivals. But don't worry. The Phillies suck. They can't do nothing right. <laughs> ever, ever since that, what, back in, what, 2007, 2008 when they won the World Series? I mean, you get Bryce Harper. Have fun with that, guys. That guy's not going to get you anywhere. But let's bring it back. I'm sorry. I just hate the Phillies, man. I'm sorry. I hate the Phillies. But, you know, to bring it back, yes, we wanted Joe Girardi. But I personally think that, you know, Carlos Beltran isn't that bad of a pick for us anyway. It's not a bad pickup. I mean, when you're talking about a, a pool or a, a managerial pool that they had to choose from, 
that did not have many guys with experience, right? A lot of people said Buck Showalter. You know, some said Joe Madden, but he went to another place. Um, but there wasn't really a, a rich pool of people that had a lot of experience at the managerial position. So knowing the Mets and the Wilpons and how they don't want to spend money, really, you know, it's kind of Mets-ish that we get <laughs> Carlos Beltran for three years, $3 million. I mean, I can't get mad at that. I mean, he's got a fourth-year team option. Um, it's a low-risk, low, uh, high-reward type of deal. I mean, I think that if Carlos Beltran doesn't do good, you have another situation like with Mickey Coward, just get rid of him, right? But, I mean, I think it's Carlos Beltran. He served as a special advisor to the Brian Cashman as the, the Yankees GM. And I like the fact that he wants to have Terry Collins as his bench coach because I really like Terry Collins, who took the Mets to the World Series back when he was a manager. So I think that, you know, if you have that, you know, that same core or able to draw from Terry Collins, who was able to take the Mets to the place that, you know, Carlos Beltran is trying to take them. I think that this is a great move for the Mets. Um, like I said, it's a low cost, really um, high reward. I think that, you know, with Carlos Beltran, he's played over, what, 20 seasons in the, in the MLB, which is not easy to do. Um, that he has the experience. He's always been known as a cerebral baseball player. So why not give the guy a chance, man? Um, you never know what you got until you you know until you try it out. So, you know, I, I'm going to be rooting for the Mets like I always do. But I really want, you know, Carlos Beltran to succeed because I feel like he can really change the narrative as far as how people view him as a Mets fan. I want to change my view from him taking that third called strike on the last pitch of the game. I want him to be known as a, as a winner, right? Somebody that brought the Mets to their, you know, resurgence. So, you know, my hat's off to Carlos Beltran. I'm welcome, you know, happy to have you on the Mets as our manager. So now go out there and get some damn wins, man. Come on, get some wins. Get us to the playoffs. You know, and that, that does it for my show here, man. We talked about a lot of great sports topics. We covered some NFL. We covered some MLB. You know, talked about the NBA. But, you know, I really, you know, before I close out this show, you know, I really want to talk about a conversation I had with my boy Darius and Dr. Glex. Um, if you don't know who Darius.io, Dr. Glex is, definitely want to check out some of our earlier episodes. Uh, I had an interview on with him talking about, you know, some of his lifestyle changes and choices that he's made over his life. And he's constantly, a, you know, a motivating guy. And, you know, we had a conversation today that I, I just thought that it was really dope. And... I remember, you know, that, you know, I haven't been, how could I say, in, in the best of moods or I wouldn't say that I had, how could I say, you know, my best of mental state. You know, I wasn't, I was letting a lot of the negative things that happened in my life or, you know, letting the negativity just, just suffocate me, man. And I can't tell you what feeling that is when you just feel like the world around you is just, you know, crumbling. Things are starting to snowball. It doesn't seem like anything can go your way. And it's very easy to harp on the things like that that do happen. And it's very easy to find your way, finding a stray from being a positive force. And I remember talking to Darius, and I told him that I just woke up today and I just felt really good, man. Like, it was the best I had felt mentally in a long time. I felt like my mind was clear, and I just felt just so motivated to be productive. 
And I told him about that. I just said, I just felt so productive, man. And I, and I felt like I was just making things so much harder. And I was just so hard on myself. And it was preventing me from being positive. And, you know, through talking, one of the things that we were saying was is that, you know, it's, very, it's almost impossible to be able to be productive without being positive. Because think about it. For you to be productive, the whole meaning of being productive is doing positive things. So if you're trying to do positive things, you need to come in with a positive mind state, man, a positive mindset. And I think that that is what I was missing over these past couple weeks. You know, I, you know, all my friends were saying, yo, you're in this funk and, you know, you got to get back to, you know, the jubilant Barry that we all know. But, you know, it's so easy for you to, 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 to feel like you're on a treadmill. I use this analogy to my father, but I said, you know, I felt like I was on a treadmill, like you're running and you're running, but you're just not going anywhere. Right. And it's so easy to, you know, get caught up in the fact of you're not getting what you want or you, the aspirations and the goals that you're trying to achieve are not as easily attainable as you thought. So that's why it's just so important to come in with a positive mind state every single time you wake up. Because the whole point of life, like I said, is the pursuit of happiness, right? And if you're trying to make yourself happy, one of the easiest way to do that is to be productive, right? And the only way that you can be productive and to do positive things is to come in with a positive mind state, right? You know, for me, you know, dealing with, you know, all of the different issues that I've had in my personal life, you know, my outlet of positivity has been going to the gym, spending time with my family, putting in an amount of hours and the amount of time that I've done bowling to become a better bowler because it's that competitive aspect and those positive things that I'm doing that's helped to elevate my mental back to where it needs to be. So my message to everyone out there, you know, before I close out this show is that to be productive and to do positive things, you must come in with a positive mind frame and a positive mindset. Because without that mindset, you're going to limit and restrict yourself from being the great person that you could potentially be, right? And that's what I kind of lost over these past couple weeks. But I tell you what, I had to remind myself how dope I am. I had to remind myself how special I was, you know? And that's what helps me to get up in the morning and to motivate all my friends and family every single day, right? So, you know, big shout out to everyone out there that's tuned into our Facebook Live and Instagram Live stream. Shout out to my boy, Brian Scholar. Love that dude, man. He's a cool dude. Bowl with him a lot. Really awesome guy. Shout out to my boy, Jeff Farrell, Tanya Bowles, Crystal Nicole, Mary Beth Heaney, Dom Suave, Parth K., then we had so many people on the Facebook live stream today. I really love each and every one of you. Mike Robinette, my boy James Chang. If you saw our new logo, he's the one that created our logo. Shout out to James Chang. But I, I just got a lot of people that are backing me up on this show. I have a really great support system. You know, I just really feel blessed. And I feel that, you know, I have a, a very special responsibility. You know, I have people that look up to me and depend on me for this show. I mean, you look at Brian Schuyler, who's listening on his way home from the Devils game, right? Or on his way home from work. You know, that that is what validates it for me because you're spending your time out of your day just to listen to what's in my head and what's in my brain. So, you know, I always want to thank the viewers out there because this show means so much to me. And you all mean so much to me too. So, 
Before I close this out, I want to give a special shout out to our sponsors, VW Liquors, located in Wick Plaza. Let's go, Mets! Let's go, Mets! We always do that for Dave at the end of the show. Shout out to my boy Cody Bromley at 91s.com. He's got some of the best acid wash apparel in the game. And then also we want to give a shout out to my boy Prashant over at Executive Bar and Restaurant located in 30 Menu Street. I know I wasn't able to to fill in for you bartender, man, but but please keep me in mind for them private parties because I love making money with you, brother. I really do. (laughs) They got some of the best drinks, best options, best food, best catering. Come on, man. You know where to go. And, you know, that about does it for this show. Thank you so much for being patient with me in my ever-changing schedule. All right? And, you know, I'm going to continue to be better. I'm going to continue to try and give you the messages and the things that motivate me to get up in the morning every single day. Because I know sometimes I'm funny. I know I'm a cool dude, but I'm very introspective, too, and I'm very reflective, right? So, you know, I, I like to think that, You know, if I don't help myself, maybe I can help someone else out there, too. Right. Because you never know what your, you know, presence or what your experiences or what your thoughts can have an effect on someone else. I mean, just and I I hate to keep talking about it, but this is the last story that I'm getting off the air. I promise. But I had a really rough week at the school that I was at, you know, working. And I just really felt like a lot of the things that I was trying to get them to implement just weren't they the the points weren't driving through. Right. And it really just took when I came into the school, this one teacher that I really never talked to. You know, I I don't really have many interactions with her, Um, but she just came up to me personally and she said, you know what? Hey, Mr. B, I just I'm just I'm really glad you're here. I'm really glad you're here this week. And. You know, I, I was just like, yo, thanks, man. Like, thank you. But she didn't know how much that meant to me because I felt like, you know, all throughout the week and trying to get these, you know, get the school to become a lot better than what they've been doing and holding themselves accountable. You know, it just really meant something to me to have her say that she was happy that I was there because it just validated all the, the core values that I've been trying to instill in them. So, you know, however, you know, hard it is or whatever, you know, you think that you're not doing effectively. Like I said, you never know what your presence has on the effect of someone else. So that's why it's always important to do the right thing all the time, even when no one's looking. I struggle every day with it. I struggle. But hey. You know, that's what life's all about is getting better each and every day. Just like this podcast, the Talk That Talk Show. I mean, we're, we're, we're over 30 episodes in, man. We keep getting better. Just keep hanging with us. And I promise you, you'll keep having awesome content to listen to and check out. My name is Barry Holmes. This is the Talk That Talk Show. Check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, any streaming platform. And I'm going to do my best to get all of these full episodes up on the YouTube site before the end of next week. So before the next episode, I promise you, you'll be able to go on YouTube and check out every single full length episode that I have on YouTube. So get your eyes and ears on us. My name is Barry Holmes. I got to have my ceremonial beer. I'm out of here. Thank you so much.